0: There's joy in every journey. Tonight across the world at WWL.com, the radio.com app. Man, it's,
1: it's here. Football season is here. Started last week for the Saints rookies. A lot of rookies across the NFL. Saints camp will officially begin for everybody on Thursday. We've got introductory press conferences. Well, not introductory press conferences. Preseason press conferences. Pre-camp press conferences coming on Wednesday. So here we go. It is another season that is here for the Saints in the NFL, and seemed like the summer went by pretty darn quick, darn quickly. we got lots of storylines to talk about. I just wrote a piece online at wwl.com I heard Christian and Zach referencing this. They disagreed with me on a couple of spots, but look, we're never going to agree on everything. But I have three Saints undrafted rookies that I'm going to be watching at training camp. I don't want to spoil that, but we're going to get to that here in about 10 minutes or so. Mike Triplett will be on the show. ESPN NFL Nation reported to talk about this at about 35 after the hour, and the NFL again showing massive hypocrisy on how they penalize players, how they enforce suspensions for off-the-field conduct. And the latest example was well, what happened today compared to what happened last week when they decided not to reprimand or suspend Tyree Kill, the Chiefs wide receiver, who was on a recording threatening His fiancée or his ex-girlfriend, his child's father, uh, mother, was on tape. It's the first time he's run into some bad stuff regarding domestic abuse in that kid of his. No suspension there. And then they decided to suspend Jaron Reed, a defensive tackle for six games, even though all charges were dropped there. So six games for Reed. But, hey, threatening to kill, I guess, your girlfriend. That's okay. According to Roger Goodell, it's just absurd. We'll get to that a little bit later this hour. More news on contract, uh, Michael Thomas's contract negotiations in just a second. Hour number two. I can't wait for this. I talked to Dale Brown, the former LSU basketball coach, legendary basketball coach, about the retirement of Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf's jersey. This has been a long, long time coming. LSU fans have been pleading for this really for a couple of decades now. LSU had a rule where you had to graduate from the university in order to have your jersey retired. But, well, they basically waived that rule. It was a unanimous vote by the LSU Board of Regents to retire that jersey. We will hear from Dale Brown. Stay tuned for that in hour number two, and we'll talk about what a legendary career that he had. Plus, NFL power rankings out at Sporting News. Vinny Iyer swings on in to talk that. Hour three, controversy at LSU. It had nothing to do with football, at least on the field football. Their facilities, premier facilities now, new locker room upgrades, probably the best in the country. At least that's what it certainly looks like and what everybody's saying. But a lot of people around LSU are... Well, they're a little upset and perhaps a lot upset that LSU has dumped this much money and TAF and the boosters have dumped this much money into the athletic department and the program when there are buildings that are falling apart on campus. It's the old academics versus athletics argument. Cody Worsham will be in to talk about that, plus a slew of LSU Tigers on these preseason watch lists. That's our show today for you. We've got a big one. And I want to start off just really quickly mentioning the latest on the Michael Thomas contract talks. Not a lot, but we had Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports, senior NFL reporter there at Charles Robinson on Twitter, earlier today about an hour ago, hour and a half ago, say he's got sources that are telling him the Saints are offering Thomas between 18 and $19 million a year. Now, $19 million would make him the highest paid receiver in NFL history. That would eclipse the 18 and a half by Odell Beckham Jr. He got a year ago. But Thomas, according to to Robinson, and, and according to more than just Robinson here with this, would like to be the first $20 million out in the NFL. Remember that report about a month ago he wanted $22 million a year? Well, Thomas, according to Robinson here, are still apart a little bit, at least $1 million apart The Saints and Thomas's side. Robinson also says a $20 million per year average with the right structure and guarantees would likely get it done. Yeah, uh, we've said that all along. I don't think there's any doubt here. They're not that far apart. I will say, and I will say again, Thomas deserves to get his money. Somebody out there will pay Thomas. It's probably going to be the Saints. Certainly sounds like it is with everything Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton has said and all the reports we had. We expect the Saints to re-sign Michael Thomas. It's going to happen here. But I, I, I just don't know if it's a good idea from a team perspective. I'm sorry. I don't, I'm don't. i not coming off of that. I love Michael Thomas as a player, but it has been Precedence in stone, written in stone, that if you give 10, 12, 14% of your salary cap to one wide receiver, uh, you're not going to be competing for championships. You're not going to be winning any championships. I'm sorry, that's just the flat reality of it. And I understand from a Saints perspective, I've said this before, that it is a lose lose situation for them, in my mind. You would have a fan revolt and maybe even more importantly, a locker room revolt. If you do not give a guy who has put up record-breaking numbers in the first three seasons of his career, who's done it here, who has done it the right way, has been a good teammate, has been a good locker room influence, if you don't give that guy that kind of money, if you don't give him that $20, $21 million a year that he wants, yeah, there's going to be a revolt on your hands, and it's not going to be good. But the reason I say it's a lose-lose is, well, if you give Michael Thomas, I don't know, four years and... $80 million, you're going to hamstring yourself up against that salary cap right when you've got all of these other rookies coming up for contract. Guys like Marshawn Lattimore, guys like Alvin Kamara, Ryan Ramchek in a few seasons. And many more than that. I I just got to be honest. I'm not doing it if I'm working in the front office of any franchise in the NFL. And I'm not just the only one, folks. I'm not. There are plenty of franchises that, bar none, do not pay that much money to a receiver, regardless of how good they are. Patriots, Packers, Ravens, Seahawks. Some of the franchises that have been one of the consistent winners in this league for a very long time, they just don't do it. And frankly, their way has worked a lot better than guys who are throwing bucket loads of money at the wide receiver position and or the running back position. It's going to be interesting to watch play out. I believe it's going to get done. I would be shocked. I would be absolutely stunned if this contract is not signed before the season starts. But it'll be judged, not this season, not next month, not next January. It'll be judged two, three, four years down the road when Drew Brees is no longer here. And now other guys are going to have to walk out the building because you're up against that salary cap because you paid Michael Thomas that much money. Like I said, Michael Thomas should go get his. This has nothing to do with Michael Thomas. I love Michael Thomas. If he's not the best receiver in the league, I think he's 1A or 1B with DeAndre Hopkins. It's my view. I mean that. But I'm not paying DeAndre Hopkins that money either. Interesting to watch. 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. Open lines the first half hour of the show. When we come back, I'm going to take a look at three different players, undrafted Saints rookies that I think you should have your eye on as training camp opens. It's Ron and Logan behind the glass. I'm Seth Dunlap. The last lap just getting started tonight on WWL. His age right now, well, it's a different position. I mean, you can't compare the wide receiver spot to the quarterback position in the NFL. You just can't. Or maybe you're saying if Drew Brees was Michael Thomas's age, they were both young, you'd pay him. I, don't, I mean, I don't know about that. I don't think that has anything to do with that for me. Kind of piggybacking on that, here's a text from, well, the same guy or gal from the 504. What do you suggest they pay him? It's not a dollar figure. It's about the percentage of cap. And the smart salary cap gurus out there say you don't pay more than about 7% or 8% of the salary cap to even star running backs or wide receivers. And that's been proven. I mean, you you can hate the Patriots all you want. And I I don't like to hold them up as a shining example of everything because it's unfair when you have the greatest or one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and either the greatest or one of the greatest coaches of all time sitting there together. That's a combination that's going to help you overcome a lot of deficiencies even in salary cap decision-making. It masks a lot of that. But in this case, you look at the Patriots, they haven't done that now for a decade and a half. They haven't. I think maybe their precedent there you should take notice of considering those six rings that they have on their fingers. 504-2601-870. Our text line is 870-870. Training camp opening in just a couple of days. One of the always um, unusual pastimes as we enter training camp is trying to look at the undrafted rookies on these rosters and and the guys, you just may have not heard about it. You, you take that roster, maybe you print it off and you look at it and you go around the the office water cooler, and you say, okay, I wonder who is actually going to make this roster. Which undrafted guy or unknown guy is going to make this roster? I know a lot of the Saints media have been doing a little pool for years about which guy that they think they're kind of uh, putting their banner behind to make a roster. Well, I think it's a futile exercise. I think you'd have better luck, I don't know, playing roulette over at Harris or placing blind bets on horses at the fairgrounds each afternoon if you don't know anything about horse racing. I think you're going to have better luck with success there than you would trying to look at a roster and say, um, guys X, Y, and Z are probably going to make this roster. But that said, there are a few players in my mind that fit the mold of a player that Sean Payton and company likes that could make this roster, especially considering, well, maybe a lack of depth at the positions that they play. Here are the three players I've highlighted. I've also done this online at WWL.com. My column is titled, well, just that, Three Saints Undrafted Rookies to Watch at Training Camp. You can also find it on our Twitter at WWLAMFM, at Seth Dunlap. First is little Jordan Humphrey, the wide receiver from Texas. There was a lot of buzz around Humphrey when he was signed with the Saints after the draft. Frankly, I think most people were surprised he was not drafted because of his size and the production he had at Texas. He is big and imposing on the outside. Don't let his name fool you here. He's not little. 6'4", 225, and the Saints have been searching for more red zones threats really for the last few years, especially at the wide receiver spot, certainly since Marcus Colson retired and Jimmy Graham got out of Dodge. They do have Jared Cook now. I get that. He's going to help in that area. But just projecting out here. If little Jordan Humphrey can develop, well, that's the kind of body type you would like to use in the red zone. Last season, junior season at Texas, pretty darn productive. 86 catches, 1,176 yards, nine touchdowns. Now, the Saints typically carry, what, five or six receivers heading into the year. Sometimes, depending on special teams and returners, they might keep an extra dude. But even if it's five or six, Now, Humphrey's got his work cut out for him to make that group. He got three locks to make the roster. Michael Thomas, Traquan Smith, and Ted Ginn Jr. They're going to be on. That leaves two or three open spots. Now, Cameron Meredith, if he's healthy, I think you're going to likely add him to that group. I think he will be healthy. I think he's a relative lock to make this group. If he's not healthy, can't play at training camp, he might be a surprise cut. That would open up another spot. A couple of other guys he's going to be competing with, Humphrey, that is. Keith Kirkwood, Austin Carr. A couple of players returning from last year's squad. I think most fans, anyways, would be surprised as he left off the 53-man roster. I would be less surprised, especially with Carr. Then he also have speedster Cyril, uh, Cyril Grayson Jr., former LSU strat, uh, track star. He's wowing coaches with his afterburners this spring. Now, those are the guys he's competing with. Humphrey's going to need a standout camp to have a chance to make this roster. The numbers don't work in his favor here, but I think if he, say, is somewhere equal in the coaching staff's mind and CJ's mind, Sean's mind to a guy like Austin Carr, for example, well, because Carr's at the end of his contract, you got three possible years of team control left for little Jordan Humphrey. I think that would tilt the scales towards Humphrey, certainly a practice squad candidate, but with that size, I don't know if he'd clear waivers and get to a practice squad. It might be on an active roster somewhere. Next guy's Divino Zigbo, running back from Nebraska. And this might be, maybe I should have this guy as number one because the Saints are certainly thin at running back behind Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray one when this offense is at its best with the Saints? They have at least three running backs, sometimes four. They get touches every single week. Remember that record-breaking 2011 season? Four-headed monster, Mark Ingram, Pierre Thomas, Darren Sproles, Chris Ivory. Sean Payton would like that versatility in his backfield group. They do have Taysom Hill. It's going to help. Jack of all trades, guys. Going to get carries every single week. But they're going to need protection behind Murray and Kamara. Zigbo, four-year player at Nebraska, so a little longer in the tooth and running backs, a little more wear and tear on the body. That won't work in his favor. But last season, senior year, over 1,000 yards, 1082, 12 touchdowns. And here's the kicker, a super 7.0 yards per carry average. I mean, I mean that's, that's stellar. That's standout there. Always been a multitude of undrafted backs who go on to have highly productive careers in the NFL. I mean, you could just look every single year. There are multiple pro bowlers, sometimes even all pro kind of guys who are undrafted. Ozigbo fits that bill, at least his production does. His main competition is going to come from Dwayne Washington, fourth-year running back out of the University of Washington, who saw the field sporadically last season with the Saints, formerly with the Lions. Washington's on the final year of his contract, kinda like what I saw, uh, said with Humphrey. So if you've got Ozigbo and also Washington side by side, well, I think there's gonna be a few people inside that Saints front office coaching staff who are hoping that the rookie wins this battle. Last guy is a kid named Corbin Kafusi, a defensive end from Brigham Young University. Now why should you be watching this guy Kafusi? Well uh, he's going to be hard to miss. That's the first thing. He stands at a gargantuan six foot nine As a defensive end. That's just one inch shy of Ed tootall Jones. Guy who played 15 seasons with the Cowboys in 1974. The tallest player ever to play defensive end in the league. I am not comparing Kafusi to Jones. Their production or their potential. On the field. I'm not doing that at all. But we know Sean Payton loves to find these you know, physical freaks who can give mismatches to his opponents. Kafusi's solid last season at BYU, last couple of years combined 16 sacks, 73 tackles. Also was a uh, a two sport athlete at BYU, played a little basketball there. His brothers in the NFL, Bronson Kafusi plays for the Jets. If Kafusi doesn't make the final 53, don't be surprised to see him on the Saints practice squad. Those are my three top undrafted guys to keep an eye on. I will say Kifusi's going to battle with a couple of other rookies. Kenny Bigelow Jr., Shai Tuttle for a spot on the defensive line. By the way, Shai Tuttle, runaway, runaway winner for the coolest name on this team's training camp. Boy, sorry, no doubt about it. So, little Jordan Humphrey, Devano Zigbo, Corbin kafusi my three guys I'm watching, undrafted guys anyways, in Saints training camp. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll tonight. Who is the Saints' biggest challenger in the NFC? We got a list of teams there for you Rams, Falcons, Eagles, Vikings, somebody else. Cast your vote. We'll keep an eye on that. Plus, remember, hour number two, we're going to go over Sporting News' uh, power rankings heading into training camp. We're going to unveil our power rankings tomorrow on the show. We're going to open up the phone lines for you now. 504-260-1870. That's area code 504-260-1870. Our text line is eight seventy eight seventy. Coming up at about 836 or so, Mike Triplett, ESPN, NFL Nation reporter, will join us. But right now on Thursday, the full version of it anyway. Seth Dunlap with you here on the last lap. Mike Triplett in a couple of minutes. Uh, here's a random text. I love this text though from the 985. Did you guys hear a North American team won the Counter-Strike Major? No, I did not. One of the guys on that team is from Slidell. Go eSports. Okay. I'm writing this down because I'm going to try to get that guy uh, on this on the show. No doubt about it. That's pretty cool. eSports star from Slidell, Louisiana. Let's go to the phone lines. Frank in New Orleans. You want to talk a little Saints. Frank, how you doing?
2: I'm all right. What's up, man? Uh, I just want to know why y'all keep on talking about the wide receivers, and we don't have a – every time we need to go deep, we put Casey and Hill in there for what reason? And also, why did we get rid of Brandon Cooks? Because we didn't have a quarterback to throw it to him. Okay. So you couldn't put Casey Hill enough. Frank, are
1: you are you saying Drew Brees can't throw the ball downfield anymore? Is that what you're saying?
2: I'm not really saying that. I'm just saying we don't – he can't get it down to, to the deep threat. Well, that's, like that.
1: But uh, here's where I would push back on that, and I know why you're saying that and why you've heard that because everybody has been spreading that about Drew Brees the last couple of years, certainly late in the season last year. But here is a fact, Frank, that I want you to take to the water cooler and spread among your friends and everybody else out there the same thing. Drew Brees last season, he was the highest-rated quarterback in in the NFL on throws 20-plus yards beyond the line of scrimmage. That's a fact. His rating, I believe, was 118. That was better than anybody else last year in the NFL. Better than Patrick Mahomes, better than Tom Brady, better than Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, you name it. It was Drew Brees. Last year, he was the best quarterback on deep balls in the NFL. I can tell you this with a surety. People inside that Saints locker room and inside that quarterback room are extremely tired of that misnomer being spread. Drew Brees can throw the ball downfield fine. He doesn't have the arm strength of Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to be chucking it 70 yards downfield, but he can get the ball downfield fine. Now, will he see a decline in his play this year? Maybe. We'll wait and see. Maybe I'll reserve judgment on what I see this year, but I'm just telling you what happened last year, and that was a fact last year, Fred. But, uh, Frank, I'm, I'm not taking shots at you because I know why you've heard that. I've been hearing it all the time also. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll again, who is the Saints' biggest challenger in the NFC? Right now, most of you saying the Rams. I would understand why 43%, 36% saying Falcons. We'll keep an eye on that poll as the show goes along. Let's bring on in Mike Triplett, ESPN NFL Nation reporter, covering the Saints to the show, at Mike Triplett on Twitter. And uh, Mike, how you doing, bud? Here we go. It's uh, I guess summer, break, summer vacation's over, back to school for us.
3: It sure is. I haven't fast.
1: Yeah, too fast, man. Too fast.
3: Are you ready? I was trying to think of the answer. No, you're never ready, but, uh, you know, I tried to squeeze in as much downtime as I could. I was trying to think of an answer to your poll question just now. I mean, the Rams are the obvious to us. I'm trying to think who else I might say.
1: I, I, t- I got to tell you, a lot of people are telling me the 49ers, man, dark horse team in the NFC. I think I saw two or three people pick the 49ers as their Super Bowl um. Super Bowl representative. and I'm talking national guys here. I don't, I don't know if I'm going that far, but I don't know. Maybe you know, we should watch out for the, the thing
3: team. about the NFC that's so tough for the Saints is I think there's about 13 teams that are in the mix. I mean, Dallas is no joke. Seattle's no joke. Minnesota could get it back on track. Green Bay's bound to be good again. Atlanta should be better this year. Carolina's always tough. I mean, it's a deep conference.
1: Yeah, really deep conference.
3: The Eagles. I didn't mention the Eagles. Yeah, we
1: didn't have – yeah, Eagles. I mean, yeah, everybody but like, what, Arizona, maybe Detroit, and the Giants. I think everybody else might, might be a threat. It's, it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy, man. Yeah, um, I, I wrote today, and we've been talking today on all of our shows, Mike, about some undrafted guys maybe you should be watching during training camp. I know this is always kind of an overblown storyline because maybe one or two of those players will actually make the roster, and a lot of them will even make an impact. But any of those guys that you're keeping an eye on, Little Jordan Humphrey, Caffucci, and uh, anybody else?
3: Well, actually, uh, Emmanuel Butler was one that I uh, um – had on my radar. I'd heard uh, he had made a good early impression on the coaches, and so I was glad to see that he didn't have a significant injury, and he passed his physical today after he started uh, when he reported last week on an injury list, so um, the receivers are interesting, and it's not out of the question that one of them could make the rushers, but I mean, you would think that Ted Ginn Jr. and Traquan Smith and Keith Kirkwood and even Austin Carr um, are ahead of the undrafted rookies, but you know, they'll find a spot for a guy. And then the guy who I don't consider a receiver necessarily, but uh, that I actually have penciled in my early 53-man roster projection is Cyril Grayson because mm. we've just seen it time and time again. The guys who make it are Tommy Lee Lewis or Trey Edmonds or, you know, obviously other guys like DBs like Justin Hardy or whatever. That have a special teams impact. And Cyril Grayson is the guy who, who stands out during the special teams portion of practice. Like even when he's covering punts, he's down there waiting for the <laughs> waiting to like catch the right. punt when he's when he's covering a defense. I, I just have this feeling that speed like that that is so noticeable on the field that that they challenge themselves to find a way to make room for him.
1: Yeah, Grayson's hard to miss because of that speed. Cameron Meredith, if he's not fully healthy and isn't as productive in training camp, could he be a surprise cut?
3: Well, I would say the exact opposite. I'd say it's a surprise if he makes the team at this point. Um now, I'm pulling for him, you know, I I I hate it when I see, you know, some fans on Twitter or something who are just like, ah, he's hurt again. Get rid of him like, you know, rather than pulling for him and hoping to be healthy because if he could show glimpses of what he looked like with the Bears, uh, you know, he could be the number two starting receiver on this team, but they're gonna have to see it and, and the clock is now ticking. It's ele- you know the, the clock has struck 11 on him and he did not participate in OT as a mini camp because he told me that you know he wanted to be as cautious as possible. He didn't want it to be like last year where he ended up only playing in like six games. He wants to do everything he can to, to peak at the right time and have a fully healthy season. But he now has to prove it in a matter of you know six weeks that uh, they've got, he's got to give them a reason to keep him around. What do you think
1: of this group of receivers, Mike? I've just been kind of thinking, you know, uh, last couple of weeks, maybe it's not as, um, I guess, the the dearth of talent there that a lot of fans, a lot of analysts think. I I think this group might be a little deeper, a little better than people are giving it credit for.
3: Well, depth is one thing, but this was always my joke. I went to Iowa, and they always talked about how, how uh, deep the Iowa basketball teams were when I was there. And I'm like, yeah, when you're, when you're 11th player is just as good as your third player, I guess you have depth. But that was a great thing. Um, it was. I think it was the biggest problem on the team last year was their lack of, of, you know, reliable go-to targets. I mean, last year, Michael Thomas has 125 catches. Kamara has 81, and no one else has... More than thirty-five on the whole team, and that was Ben Watson. So, it is a huge question mark. Yeah, they have a lot of guys who might have a nice game here or there, like like Trayvon Smith and Kirkwood. Um, but it's a big question mark. But I will say, if Ted Ginn Jr. is healthy and if Jared Cook plays up to the abilities that that you know he already you know that he showed in Oakland and and what it looked like in, in the little practices we've seen so far, that's a pretty solid top four to have. Thomas, Kamara, Cook and Ted Ginn Jr. to throw the ball to. And then that allows guys like drake Lynn Smith, Keith Kerwood, possibly Cameron Meredith, possibly why am I drawing a total blank on uh, <laughs> the veteran receiver they just signed who was with the Titans.
1: Oh, I'm, uh, I'm drawing a blank too, yeah. yeah I don't have to, it's deep. It's deep.
3: <laughs> we're, we're doing a great job. We're yeah. obviously not out of summer <laughs> vacation yet, but possibly Emmanuel Butler, a little Jordan Humphrey. Uh, you know, there's an opening for, for guys who can sneak in and maybe be role players. But if you're top four, our Thomas Cook in Camara in the passing game, it's not, it, it, you know, that's manageable. Yeah,
1: indeed. Uh, Jared Cook, by the way, best season of his career, uh, statistically wise, last year, even though uh, 32. Rashard Matthews, by the way. Rashard, there you go. So Rashard <laughs> Matthews. I, I was trying to Google it right here because I, I put Ma- I put Matthews in, but I couldn't remember his first name. Uh, talking to Mike Triplett, ESPN NFL Nation reporter who covers the Saints. at Mike Triplett. Um, as you look at this team going into camp, Mike, give me some positions that you're going to be watching keenly, not just receiver. We talked a lot about that. Other Other spots you think might be battles. Maybe you're watching to see just what kind of talent there is there
3: obviously, center is the position where there's a battle, um, although it's really hard to watch that in camp. I do love watching the one-on-one drills when they have the pads on. I'll, I'll see how Eric McCoy handles himself against uh, Malcolm Brown and the other big bodies in the middle. Um, and, and if he continues to look like, you know, it's his job to lose at center or if they rotate a lot there. Um, and, uh, another position battle that, you know, I really – is more wide open than I thought it was going to be based on OTA's minicamp is that nickel cornerback spot where P.J. Williams was actually playing ahead of Patrick Robinson in the spring session, and then Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was getting in there a lot too. They have a lot of candidates for for that uh, nickel nickelback spot, which is obviously a good problem for the Saints to have. Uh, on the flip side, though, where I think they're going to need someone to emerge is defensive end and, and really the three-technique spot as defensive tackle too. I mean, I think losing... Sheldon Rankins for however much time they're going to lose him and losing Alex Okafor uh, to free agency without really replacing either guy uh, is is probably the biggest concern I have with this team right now. Uh, he, he obviously, we'd like to see Marcus Davenport step up and be you know, the guy who's playing 70-plus percent of the snaps. Uh, but who's the third defensive end? I don't know right now. And, and you know, behind David Onyemata at, at uh, three technique until uh, Sheldon Rankins comes back. It's pretty thin there, too. Uh, Mario Edwards being one of the candidates to, yeah. to well, hopefully earn a role there.
1: Yeah, Marcus Davenport seems like a lot of pressure on his shoulder second-year guy to be not just good, but maybe very good in his second year, considering what you just said. Uh, no Okafor, you think he's up for the task?
3: Yeah, I mean, I like the glimpses he showed. It sounds like the Saints like the glimpses he showed. And, and you can come to absolutely no final judgment on him based on last year because they drafted him as a raw developmental guy who was going to take a couple years to grow into his body and grow into an NFL defense. And um, I think he played just under 50% of the snaps in the games he played last year. This year maybe he'll play 65 70% of the snaps and take that next step uh, you know, I don't know that I see. I, I'd be surprised if we're talking about like a Pro Bowl-level defensive end already in year two, but if he works his way, you know, if last year was step one and this year is step two, I think that would be huge. It's kind of a must for the Saints with with the lack of depth that we just
1: talked about. Indeed. He's Mike Triplett, ESPN NFL Nation reporter covering the Saints. Mike, it sounds like we might at least, uh, at least a few of the days maybe be a little cooler out there. We got some shade, got some misters, and All then right. when the fans I show up...
3: Yeah, I'll never count on being I, – I go in preparing for the worst. Expect the worst. Expect the worst and, you know, usually get the worst when yeah. it comes to the –
1: There you go. Yeah, expect the worst. Uh, was I know, hope for hope the best. I'm yeah.
3: curious. I am going to play – I'm going to do, uh, do a lot of those stories in camp where I go sit with the fans and see what it's like <laughs> under, the, under the hood and the misters, you know, just to get a perspective that's, of what it's like. Yeah, that's a veteran
1: move, Mike, veteran move. I uh, will see you out there at camp on Thursday. Thanks so much, bud. All right, thanks, Ed. All right, at Mike Triplett on Twitter. Be sure you follow his work every day. ESPN NFL Nation reporter at ESPN.com. If you're on hold, hold. We get your calls coming back next. Next, plus well, more hypocrisy in the NFL with the suspensions they're handing out. I'll tell you why and what next on the last lap. A little Tyree kill involved here. I want to go to Mike in Mid City to talk more Saints. Mike, what's going on?
2: Hey, how you doing, bro? I'm good. Yeah, you saw. I think you started off real good. uh... Um, uh, with the conversation um, uh, with uh, Mike Thomas. Um, he brought up some very interesting points. Uh, I mean, like, what about what about Kamala? You know what I mean? You don't get Mike Thomas that kind of money. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you got Kamala. You know, you got Kamala. You know, who's more important to the king? Both of them. Well, well, of course, both of them are. You know, but, you know, that's a lot of money to give to Thomas, and you got Kamala. This
1: is value yeah Mike and this well, is the problem that they have and this this whole superstar philosophy was tried by the Seattle Seahawks where they gave 10 guys over a hundred million dollars and it didn't work they didn't have any depth on the roster and they kind of fell apart for a couple of years I mean you don't build rosters in the NFL like that
2: yeah it's, you know it's a real it's a real tough it's a real tough one and uh you know I think uh Mike Thomas is a he's a very good possession receiver uh he's 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 like uh the, the, the cat with the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. You know, uh he's not a speed merchant, you know, he's not a separator. Yeah, Larry you
1: know, Fitzgerald you're talking about. He,
2: right, right. You know, he's you know, he's a Fitzgerald like type player. Not not big, he's not as big as Fitzgerald is right now. But um, you know, he's a you know, he's a big possession receiver like. And uh, you know, yeah, but you know, uh, you know, that price tag, I, I you know, I I I'm making rumors, and now I'm going to uh, be able to work that out because, like I said, hey, Alvin Kamala is just as valuable
1: as uh, Mike Thomas. Yeah, indeed. Mike, really appreciate the call, and I agree with you here. They're going to have decisions to make if they give Michael Thomas that kind of money. They just are, and those decisions are going to be brutal the next few seasons. They're probably going to be brutal regardless. So last week, we know the NFL refused to suspend a Tyree kill even though Tyreek Hill was on a tape that was played by TMZ threatening his girlfriend, saying, quote, you need to be terrified of me too, B-word, end quote. Oh, and by the way, this guy has a history of domestic violence. He was released from the Oklahoma State football program when he pled guilty to punch uh, for punching and choking his pregnant girlfriend. And there's all these allegations of him beating his kid, But the NFL decides not to suspend Tyreek Hill at all, even though there were no charges brought by the prosecutors in this case in Kansas. This is what Kansas prosecutor Steve Howe said. says a crime was committed, he believes, against Hill's son, but insufficient proof existed to prosecute him in the court of law. The NFL is not a court of law. And here's the hypocrisy of this. They decide not to suspend Tyree Kill at all for that. But then they go ahead and suspend Jaron Reed six games, even though, oh, this sounds familiar, doesn't it? There was never any charges levied against him, criminal charges. He was never arrested. But Jaron Reed now suspended six games. He had a defensive lineman for the Seahawks. Reed says he completely disagrees. With the NFL decision, he lost an appeal uh, Friday morning, according to Ian Rappaport. This is the kind of bogus hypocrisy coming from Roger Goodell and the NFL. It just is. I don't know what Jaron Reed did. We'll find out soon. It may be just as bad as what Tyreek Hill is accused of, and I'll be saying, well, hey, good thing he's suspended. I don't know. But what we do know is Reed never charged, never arrested, Suspended six games. We know Tyreek Hill charged, was on tape threatening his girlfriend. Multiple people, multiple members of law enforcement believe he beat his son and the NFL does nothing. I guess because Tyreek Hill is a star in this league and they want to get him back on the field in Kansas City. I don't know. It makes no sense to me. There's no consistency here. There's no consistency here. And Roger Goodell, again, because the buck stopped with him, and I have defended him before, but here he is failing at his job. Supposedly, he wants to protect the shield. He's doing nothing like that here. 504-260-1870. Our text line is eight seventy eight seventy. told you, Saints training camp starts on Thursday. Well, a lot of those dates are already sold out. We'll let you know when tickets are still available, what dates you can still get out there on Airline Drive and, and watch your Saints back after. Likely to get it done per season, of course. Uh, with the right guarantees involved here is our text from the five our a text from the 504 it's only getting started secure him for the next five years I mean that it's more simple to say than it is to get done considering it is a capped league I and mean, that's just that's just the truth we can say pay pay this guy pay that guy but when you're dealing with a salary cap you can't pay everybody regardless of how good or great that they have been and it's not Michael Thomas's spot but he plays a position that has more supply than there is demand, even for the better receivers in the league. It's just, it's just the truth. It's the hard truth for Michael Thomas. He'd be getting more than $20 million a year in an uncapped sport. Maybe the new CBA will change that. So half of the Saints' training camp dates are sold out. Now, tickets still remain for the following practices. You can get your free tickets for these dates. You can find this online at WWL.com. These are the dates that are still available for you to go and see training camp practices. Monday, July 29th, Tuesday, July 30th, Friday, August 2nd, Wednesday, August 7th, Monday, August 12th, and Thursday, August 22nd. The other dates are sold out. That includes next week, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. All those tickets are gone. Go to w, uh, saints.com to find out where you can get those tickets. You can also pick them up, uh, I believe, at the box office out on Airline Drive. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll. Who's the Saints' biggest challenger in the NFC? We've got a slew of teams listed there. Rams, Falcons, Eagles, Vikings, and other. Rams were winning this vote uh, vote previously with 47% of the votes. We had the Falcons coming in with 36% of the vote, so they're taking up the lion's share of that. But I do wonder a team like the Eagles. With Carson Wentz, he'll be fully healthy. The Eagles seem to be a little bit reloaded to make another
0: championship run. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper The better